You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedians Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and this is an absolutely cracking episode uh, with a fabulous Venezuelan comic uh, currently resident in Australia and uh, someone who, if you have downloaded this not knowing his name and decided to take a chance on old Papa Stew's recommendation, uh, then you're in for an absolute treat. You will be rewarded with some of the finest scientific uh, analysis of comedy. Uh, This gentleman is someone who taught himself how to do stand-up comedy. There's not really much stand-up in Venezuela, uh, as you're about to hear, and he translated some of the great routines, uh, some classic Louis C.K., Chris Rock routines and so forth, into Spanish, and in doing so, understood from a really internal level the uh, the structure, and really just got all matrix on it. So you're going to love this. There is some, uh, I mean, there's some really interesting and very sad stuff about uh, the political state in Venezuela, um, and it's really fascinating to hear from a comic from uh, a country that I don't know any other comedians from. I think there's an, at least one other one working uh, in America. Maybe you could inform me about more. But uh, this is... It's such a great episode. We, we talk about a lot of different things and something we get stuck into in the second half, uh, is the, uh, just as soon as, as soon as Ivan starts talking about, uh, Louis CK's foundational premise, you're all going to sit up and listen. <laughs> so let's, without further ado, let's get stuck in. This is Ivan Aristagueta. I loved your show. Thank you. I loved your show. I was predisposed to love your show because we met backstage at the gala. Yeah. And we... Where did we meet before? Did we just meet this guy? We met there. You're just one of those people that we met and we went, hey, we really get on. Yeah. So yeah. I think, oh, I feel like I've met you at 20 festivals. I have a video of us doing uh, flipping a bottle. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was an immediate bottle flip <laughs> yeah. kind of meeting. Yeah. We met backstage at the gala, which you went on to destroy. You had a great gig at the gala. And you have then had a brilliant show here. This is your fifth year, is that right? Yeah. Sixth, fifth year. And so I couldn't see your show. I tried to come along and see it a few days ago. And uh, so I came to see your extra show, which was sold out to 450 people. Yeah. And you destroyed it. And I had not planned to do any more fucking podcasts. And I went, oh, I've got to get you that. Yes. So, yeah, that's, there we go. I'm throwing myself down. I'm a big fan. Great. I love that show. Thank Talk you. to me about... Who you are. Talk to me because I know who you are, but tell my listeners who might not have heard of you who you are and what you're up to. Well, my name is Ivan Aristegueta. I come from Venezuela. I started doing comedy 
10 years ago in Venezuela. I did comedy in Spanish for five years. Then I migrated to Australia. In Australia, I started doing comedy in English for the first time in English straight away after I migrated. So I got to Australia in January 2012. My first open mic in English was April 2012, right after Adelaide Fringe. I got to see a lot of shows during Adelaide Fringe. And um, now I am a full-time comedian in Australia. And you're, you are the only Venezuelan comedian in Australia? Yeah. How many comedians are there in Venezuela? There's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, the thing is, uh, the, the, the story of, of stand-up comedy in Venezuela, is very, it's a very young um, scene because um, Venezuela, we never had that sort of a open mic structure. When I arrived to Australia, it was very impressive to see like a, a pathway for a career. You get uh, competitions and festivals, stuff like Class Clowns, which I judged this <laughs> yesterday. It's very satisfying. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, kids are so talented and they know what, is, what stand-up is, is about and they're so confident and they write jokes and they have great punchlines and they know how to write a premise. Um, I got it. wow, there's, there's, a, there's a platform, there's a pathway if you want to have a career. In Venezuela, uh, 10 years ago when I started, uh, the comedians we had were the comedians from a, from, a, from a TV show on the telly or a few TV shows, and they had their solo shows, no festival, they just rent a theater and they have their shows. Okay. And um, a guy from... So many things happened in Venezuela that um, made the, 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 the new new because in brackets because it's not new. There's... Uh, the, the, it's it's been around from from the, the 60s i don't know tell me, you tell me in england when 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 you started this sort of format of sure okay well i think i've been thinking in the states it would be lenny there's kind of parallel development yeah. in the states it was lenny bruce in the kind of 60s and then in the uk i guess it was music hall from the mid 1800s i don't know the dates yeah. but you know it's kind of more yeah. developed so uh, um in in venezuela what happened um with chavez with Hugo Chavez, he started closing down TV stations and radio stations because they were very, they were opposition. They were very openly, and and as as any you know dictator is going, no, I don't, I want my thing, I want my whatever I'm saying to be there, and everything who opposes my ideals, I'm going to shut them down. So he shut down uh, the the longest running TV station in Venezuela which had the longest-running TV show, which was a comedy show. Okay. What was it called? Radio Rochella. Okay. This was a sketch show every Monday at 8 o'clock. And um, without exaggeration, it was on for over 30 years. The same show every Monday at 8 o'clock. And with the same cast or like SNL kind of changing, revolving cast members? Or yes. Something? It was like a... Like a a nest, a, a breeding nest of, of, of comedians and actors. But there's like a historical, like everybody who went through SNL or Radio Rochella, everybody knows in Venezuela, this is the guys from Radio Rochella. Okay. And these are the guys who had their own solo shows. So people didn't know that anyone could have 
gone on a stage in a bar and do five minutes and start trying material and start becoming a comedian. I tried to become a comedian. So it was just like if the only comedy, the only live comedy that exists is people who are already famous putting on a big show yeah. to their existing audience. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah. And also the, 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 the comedy relief of Venezuelans with this show on television. Uh, when these shows, uh, with the whole TV station uh, shuts down and a lot of radio stations with comedians working on radio, there's like this need of going to and see comedy. And I don't know if it's coincidence or, or, or you know, when, when there's a need, there is, a, there is an offer. One guy, his name is a uh, very uh, English name. His name is George Harris. Because I think his, his his parent was American, but he's he's super Venezuelan. He lived in Spain, and he brought. He said, "In Spain, there's open mics. Let's do this in Venezuela." So he, the same format. Monday night, he talked to a to a very um, um, trendy bar in Caracas. Hey, I can bring people on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's try it. We, we lose nothing. We never have people here on Mondays. Okay, and he started. The scene of the open mic. It's so incredible when you can trace the development of comedy in a country to yeah. one man that you can name. Yeah, <laughs> one person. Yeah. It's like, how long ago was that? That was uh, 12 years ago. Okay. Okay. So you've got, uh, and where are, we, where are we in relation to Chavez? I know very little about the history of Venezuela. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that moment in your show where you stop and just say, go and find out about Venezuela. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I know it, it uh, I'm aware of Chavez. I'm aware he's yeah. a dictator. Yeah. Um, what is the, what, when he's shutting down media and shutting down stations, yeah. is he also shutting down live shows? No, no. He was, he died. Okay, and um, um, I remember there was a fuck eulogy on the bugle. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that later. The 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 guy who took over was the guy. He he said, "I'm gonna die." This is the guy who's okay. who you're gonna vote for. But everything was rigged. Yeah. Um, this um, at the time it, it was pretty very smart. He said, "I'm not shutting down a TV station. I'm not re- re- uh, renewing the concession to transmit." Because okay. I am the government, so I'm not shutting it down. I'm just the license giving you. Has expired. There's no more, more exactly. Okay, exactly. Um, things with uh, with uh, uh, live shows, as it was a tiny scene, he didn't care about it. But then um, one improv group, Venezuelan improv group, uh, uh, who was also an, uh, the idea was brought by another guy who was from Ar- from Argentina. Who, who, who was a, a, an improv clown in Argentina, very good, and he started a school in Venezuela. This improv group um, once they, they they were run, they were doing a sh- they were doing shows for three four years in a in a in a theater that was owned by by the by the government. It was a, a public theater, and uh, this this guy, not not this guy, this group. Something happened. One person from the government died in a in an accident, and um, he was he fell into with his car fell into a, a river and and drowned. You know this improv when uh, shows where the, the audience write things on papers, mm-hmm. they put stuff in a hat and they take things out and they do according to a certain sort of game. They will follow what the idea from from the little paper. 
So the, the guy who was, who was pulling out the papers, there was something related to that death. Instead of, and he was, okay, let's play this. And they played it. And guys from the, from the theater who worked for the government saw that and said, you're banned for life in this theater because you're making fun of someone from the government. From then, when, when, when the repression started, you know, tidying up a bit more and a bit more tight, um, comedy clubs, because the idea was there. So this guy, George Harris, brings the first one, and then, oh, this is a great idea, and then, boom, we got five. Mm-hmm. Um, the com- the not, n- there, were no, there are no comedy clubs in Venezuela, it's just bars. And the owners of the bars... After three or four years of us doing comedy, they started saying, listen, guys, can you please don't do any jokes about the government? Because if we have someone from the audience that, is, that works for the government, they can find us or shut us down. And it has happened, so we don't want that. So please be very careful. So we were very, very, you know, we, we wanted to talk about the government out loud, but uh, we had to... Do like a little impression, like nothing much. Okay. Or like an analogy. Yeah, exactly. When you talk about something else for the audience, no, you're talking Exactly, about. exactly. Not directly. I used to do a joke. It was just an impression of Chavez doing a, um, say, oh, the guy is a bastard, very charismatic. Like, like we, like if that guy would have done something else on TV, like a host of anything or, or, or announcing soccer, like a, like a football narrator, would have been amazing because his charisma was unbelievable and uh, the, the attraction of the people was a very charismatic guy. And I, said, and I did an impression of Chavez narrating a, a football game. And, and then they said, please just, just, just do that Did anymore. you say that it was Chavez? Yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. Don't do that anymore. And I wasn't, I was like, hey, the guy... Would have would have done amazing stuff for television. Yes, but even that you can't say. I, I did it for a long time. Okay. But then one day, after all the the shutting downs and stuff, and 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 the whole thing from from this improv group, they backed down. And that must be very difficult. From what I know of improv, you need to be able not to edit yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you, I mean, how do you do improv in a situation where hanging over everyone is like, we mustn't say anything about yeah. this person, this person, the government, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. That must be very hard. So, is there, I want to, I want to talk more, I want to come back to the Venezuelan scene there and the, the creativity there, but I want to talk more specifically about your show. Yeah. So, you grew up as a comedian within that environment. Who were you before you were a comedian? Um, Comedy was still, you know, we all have it. We all have it. We all try to do something. Um, in Venezuela, you, you, you have this culture of, of telling jokes. It's, uh, so you learn jokes from other people and you, there's certain people in society who they take the job of learning as many jokes as they can. And in any social situation, there'll be three or four guys just debating not debating just with the joke battle like I've got this one okay now this one we're doing drunk people okay. jokes okay now we're doing walking into a bar jokes okay this is how we go when you say in the societies you just mean like would happen anywhere like in Australia yeah. or you mean it's like a, it in has Ven- a formalized cultural no no any, anyway okay. we are, we are in, in Venezuela in any you know gathering 
and you start with a joke, boom, there's another one. Start with a joke, there's another one. Okay. And and there's always like this battle, which is a friendly battle. Like who knows more jokes and who can tell a joke better? These are not jokes that you write yourself. These sure. are jokes you learn. Cultural yeah. currency. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, in fact, there is a, uh, a journalist, very uh, a well-respected journalist in Venezuela, Nelson Bocaranda. He he has one of his hobbies is to, is a database of jokes. Okay, and he's a collector of jokes, and he's famous for that. Like he can go and he has his iPad. He goes, "What do we want? Drunk jokes?" And he has. On an, okay. like on, 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 a system, on a system, well? on a system. No, he just <laughs> no, he just collects surely, jokes. There's the internet, and yeah. he, surely now this, he's obsolete. Yeah, but it used to be, you know, this little little tablet. No, before the tablets, you know, the, okay. he used to have that. Okay, just to type jokes. So and very impressive. Were you a joke teller? I was a joke teller, and when this sort of this this first open mic started, one good friend said, "Hey." Let's do stand-up. Let's write our own jokes. You're great at telling jokes. You have. He's a musician, this friend. He's like, there's a lot of melody in the way you tell jokes, and, and you can write your own jokes. Let's do this together. And um, this friend, I, 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 um, I'm very grateful because very, he takes things very seriously. And uh, we're not going to just stand there and start talking. Let's do some research. And we bought books, we transcribe routines, we... Transcribe routines from, like, American comics? Yeah, American comics. Okay, to yeah. learn yeah. the rhythm and the... Yeah, okay. yeah, and we, we were obsessed, we were timing life per minutes. Oh! And, uh, which, which comics were you transcribing? Uh, we, we went for the basic, we started with Seinfeld, and then when we were learning about premises, I, I was like, okay, Chris Rock is really good at premises, and just got obsessed with Chris Rock's, how the, the way he, he tells one premise, tells a joke, and then he rephrases the same premise yes. to tell another joke, and then he rephrases the same premise and tells another joke, and he milks one premise, and he can take yes. some, and then, premise, boom, joke, boom, boom, Joke, same premise, and uh, I'm, I'm. Sometimes I repeat myself too much in my shows because I want the premise to be very, very clear. Yes, and well, that Chris Rock says all the premise <laughs> twice. And it's set up twice. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, the thing, the thing. No punchline yet. That is the thing, the thing, the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's one of my. He's fa- my favorite comedians in, in the writing, in in the way he writes. Um, so the. We practice a lot before doing stand-up live for the first time. Okay. We, I used to live in another city. I used to live in, in Valencia. I used to work in... So who, who, who was I before comedy? I was working in a brewery. I am a food technologist, and I studied brewing. And I was working in a brewery in, in, a, in, a, in another city. Not in my city, not in the capital, not in Caracas. I was um, in Valencia. And my friend goes, this is happening in Caracas. There's nothing in Valencia. So I used to go weekends on the weekends to go to Caracas and sat down with my friend and write jokes and talk about comedy. You were in Valencia in Spain? In Valencia, Cara- Venezuela. I, I, there's another Valencia. There's another Valencia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, you actually said in the show your, your parents are Spanish. Yeah. So this yeah. is through me. Sorry, yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a Valencia in Venezuela and there's also a Mérida in Venezuela. Mérida, there's, okay. a, there's Mérida in, in, in Spain and Mérida in, in, in Mexico and okay. Mérida in Venezuela. So, okay. And Chavez is dead. I'm up to speed. Yeah. I might make yeah. more mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I used to go on weekends and sat down with my friend. Uh, it's just... I, I really can't... Like, I don't waste time on, on silly hobbies just for the sake of the hobby. I just 
it has to have a purpose. And this time, it was just a hobby that I was very happy. Like I was enjoying myself a lot, and 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 so I traveled with my wife to come to Caracas. She she visited her mom. I was writing jokes with a friend, watching t- uh, shows, watching comedy. Um, I knew I was gonna move to to Australia eventually, so I, I always watch a lot of gala shows and a lot of videos from from Australian comedy. Um, so when we were backstage at the gala. Was that that wasn't your first gala? My second. It was your second. Yeah. So the first time you were backstage at the gala, you were thinking you're seeing all these acts. Yeah. Going, I saw you in 2015. I saw you in 2013. Yes. You made this mistake. You have this rhythm. You're approaching it in that technical way still. The 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 most thing was like I I saw me doing this and this is the best time the best day of my life. Yes. <laughs> like I saw this from Venezuela. I even told my wife I'm gonna be there one day. I'm gonna do the thing. And your belief in that is based on what? Natural optimism, your n- confidence in your ability to work hard, and your research of the form. You thought, this is possible. I've watched all these routines. Yep. I've learned it. I've written my own material with my own approach to... And thanks to the, to, to the, to the advice of this friend, he was very... Like the first, I've got something. I got, I, I, I'm, let me tell you. And he goes, no, you're telling a joke again. This is not stand-up. Where's the premise? I go, and do it again. And where's the premise? And then when when the premise was clear, because premise, the the concept is easy, but it's not easy to write a good premise. I absolutely agree with you. Can you give me an example of that from your writing process? Something in the, I don't know, I mean, I could suggest a a bit like the mango bit, your mango material, it's opening material. It's a good concept because it's it's about mangoes and the uh, the fact of you being a Venezuelan guy now in Australia yeah. and you, the craftsmanship of that that whole section yeah. is excellent. So, can you talk to us about some of the decisions made in the difference between a concept and the premise with reference to that piece of material? So, so the should I tell the joke first? Yeah, by all means. Oh, of course, of course. So the the premise. Went back to the basics, which is a simple premise that we all say on everyday life. When you win something, you lose something. So to to give to put more ornament into that premise as an immigrant, when you're an immigrant, the number one lesson you're going to learn is when you win something, you lose something. And then I say, Venezuela, there's a lot of crime, a lot of violence, shameless corruption, but mangoes... They are for free. <laughs> then Australia is a beautiful first world country, safety, freedom, but mangoes, five bucks a mango. So that's just the basic. Yes. And I, I wanted to say, when you win something, you lose something. And it was the whole, this is the whole premise of the whole show. It's about balance. Yes. Nothing is 100% good or 100% bad. So I was like, uh, talking to Chris, my, my manager, who is now my... my um, he, he directed the show, um, but he gave me direction because I think stand-up shows they're not directed as, as a as a theater show. They're, you need just like a like a writing partner mm-hmm. who who understands you as a persona, who understands your point of view, who understands your jokes, and gives you. You need someone to go. This is you're talking too much here. You're talking too much there. This is a great joke, but doesn't work for the show. Yes, and. Chris. That's a great. That's a great 
example of a note. Yeah. That's a great joke. It doesn't work in this show. If someone says that, you're like, this is a good director for stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is Ivan. Um, I, as you may be able to tell from the timbre of my voice, uh, I'm absolutely exhausted. I'm jet lagged. I'm recording this at 7.45 on uh, the Monday of its release, uh, or its, its very soon release. And uh, I have been awake for so long, uh, returning from the Montreal Comedy Festival, where I'm pleased to tell you I uh, managed to get five excellent episodes in the can with K. Trevor Wilson, Sugar Sammy, the live episode with W. Kamau Bell, Sashir Zamata, uh, who plays, uh, if you're familiar with SNL, she was in SNL for a little while, she plays Keely in Black Jeopardy. Uh, I've certainly been enjoying those online, and a very fine stand-up as well. Uh, and Lisa Traeger, who is absolutely fantastic, and uh, anyone interested in feminism and in the voices of new, young, exciting female comics who are just blowing up in America are really going to enjoy uh, Lisa and indeed Sashia's uh, interviews. Loads and loads to enjoy there. Some really great work. I had a fantastic time in Montreal. I will have to tell you about it in more detail another time, but thank you to everyone uh, who looked after me there and uh, thanks to everyone I managed to hang out with, even if only briefly. Um, It was a lot of fun hanging out with Ivan and also Damien Power, who I highly recommend you check out uh, Damien's show at Edinburgh. I'm still working on Ivan to get him over to Edinburgh in 2018, but I know that Damien Power is going to be uh, at the Edinburgh Festival. I can't wait to see his show, which won some sort of award or other in Australia. I can't remember the details, but um, uh, I think you're really going to enjoy that. I've heard loads about it, and I've only seen him do a short set. Can't wait to get stuck into that. Um, I will try and do some Edinburgh recommendations for those of you who are going to be up there. I'll do those via the Comedians Comedian Facebook group, so join up to that if you haven't already. There's nearly... We're getting over 5,000 members at the moment. I'm having to start police, policing some of the chats. There's so many people. But um, I'll get the recommendations on there. Obviously, you're going to go and see Matt Ewins and all, all the people who uh, I usually recommend and all the people who uh, have done previous episodes of this pod. Ivan isn't there this year, but uh, I hope he will be soon. Nick Cody uh, from... Who have we got from recent episodes? He's going to be out there. Barry Cryer will be there. Simon Munnery will be there. Uh, Just looking at these, I think Orlando Baxter's coming back. Uh, Who else? Pippa Evans. I mean, you know, look down the list. And I always forget who did this, but if you do check on the... um, uh, I've got a good idea of the guy that put this together, but I never want to say his name in case I get it wrong. So have a look at at ComComPod or indeed on the ComCom Facebook group. If you scroll down, you will see an extremely helpful list with lots of ticket links um, that a very kind listener has made for all previous ComCom guests currently appearing at the Edinburgh Festival. So I'll get on to them. Uh, uh, I'll get on to some recommendations. <laughs> I'm falling apart. I'm so tired. I'll get on to some recommendations as soon as I can. Um, do donate to the show if you fancy supporting it. Uh, I was told off on Twitter recently by someone who said, hey man, not cool, or words to that effect. Uh, it's a bit needy to be asking for donations in the middle of the show. No, you're absolutely right. I should ask uh, for donations at the very end of the show when everyone's turned off. Um, <laughs> if you would like to support the show and don't want to uh, complain about it, then <laughs> and even, let's face it, if you don't want to support the show, that's fine. I think I spend less time talking about donations on this podcast than I would do advertising 
any of the numerous people you're sick of hearing from all your other podcast uh, hosts. So uh, I'm not going to feel too bad about it. If you would like to support the show, then you can go to comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate and set up a recurring subscription payment via PayPal or if you don't use PayPal, Moonclerk or Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash comcompod, you can find out all the different ways to donate or do a little one-off PayPal donation as well. Um, If you are someone who has been waiting patiently for your T-shirt or even emailing me and saying, where's my goddamn T-shirt? They are all in the post, apart from two, and I will email those two people um, uh, separately to uh, explain the cock-up that was made by the... uh, I don't think it was me, but there was a small cock-up. So there's two people who will have to wait a little bit longer. Are you one of them, or will you be receiving it in the next week? Who can say? Who can dare to dream? Um, But we had a really fun, jet-lagged, multiple-hour, me and uh, Mrs. Goldsmith sat and ploughed whilst the the Boutros slept. We sat and ploughed through a lot of t-shirt admin and those are now all safely in the arms of mama post office so they should be coming to you very soon that's gonna do me for now do come along to uh, to my show at edinburgh 345 at the liquid rooms annex that begins this saturday the 5th of august we're traveling up tomorrow i'm gonna go and pack no i'm not i'm gonna stay here and record the final blurbs for this bit uh, after we speak to ivan and then i'm gonna fall asleep in a heap let's get back to ivan aristigeta Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So this guy, just to, is this the same guy that you were writing with? No, this is my manager in Australia. Okay, sorry, yeah. Chris, Chris McDonald. Okay. Um, my friend in Venezuela is Cesar. Caesar. Caesar. Uh, working with him uh, helped me a lot. Like, because you need you need that that critic going. No, this joke is not that good. It's a good joke, but it's not that good. Take burn the baby. He says that you have to burn the baby, and you go. No, I love this joke. You have to burn the baby. Yeah. And then he goes. You do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I'm just telling you that you should burn that baby. Because it's, it's, it's resting energy and importance to other good punchlines. So you have like, well, I've got boom, good punchline. And then a silly joke. It takes down, it drags down some energy from the audience that yes. you don't. And it's hard. And, and he has this phrase, that, uh, a precision wordsmith, yep. which I like that. that and, and Caesar was in Venezuela, that guy. He was also writing for himself. He was, but he's a, a, more like a musical comedian. He was doing his, 
He's also very uh, another comedy nerd, and we talk about this. Uh, like we enjoy just sitting down and analyzing premises, analyzing comedians. And then it's very happy that here in Australia, I found Chris has a lot of uh, experience writing comedy, writing sitcoms. Um, he's been in the comedy world for 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 a while, and and it's good to have a friend telling you this joke is shit or this joke is not working. You might love the joke, you want to talk about this subject, but it's not working. And you go, no, no. <laughs> you have to take it out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, so from the first show, if you watch this show, the first night at Adelaide Fringe, that was eight weeks ago. It was a different show. Same jokes, but different. Because the mango, the bit that I remember, the bit that I've told two people about today, like, oh, God, you've got to go see a van. The, the bit that I remember the most, I remember that setup, absolutely. That's the, the, the concept is mangoes are really expensive here. The premise is when you take something, you give something away, and you know, the, different, the premise is the difference between Venezuela and Australia seen through the prism of mangoes are free, mangoes are expensive. Yeah. But then the detail of the joke, the bit that I remember is when you were going, you're talking about how you eat mangoes here weird. Yeah. It's another good observation. Everyone yeah. knows that thing of cutting a mango. Yeah. Pixelated porcupine. Yeah. Oh, oh, I think that was the first bit when I really sat up and went, oh, okay. I'm not just watching my friend anymore. Here we go. Pixelated and then the, um, the, the moment that I've been telling you a couple of people today is um, when I eat a mango, I don't take phone calls. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that is a beautiful... Um, uh, it's not an observation, it's not a premise, but it's a completely character-driven approach to a subject that we're already talking about. Yeah. So that's... How long is the mango section? Is it like four minutes? It could be, yeah, four, four, four minutes. About four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I correctly guessed the yeah, yeah, mango duration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the punchlines are, as you say, there is no dead weight. There is concept, premise... Joke, joke, exploration of joke, character-driven joke, character-driven joke. Yeah. There's a there's a moment later in the show where you're talking about um, Australians complaining. You yeah. take the idea that people complain differently here because the bar of what is bad is so high compared to your own home life. Yeah. The post office bit. Yeah. So you're doing a de- you take that idea and you inhabit a guy, an Australian guy, talking to his son who's just invented the idea for post offices. Yeah. And the son is going, why don't we have a thing? And it's a very funny, characterful impersonation. Yeah. Why don't we have a place that that sells? You can do letters. You can charge up your Mikey card. You can do all these things. You can yeah. sell tiny little deck chairs. Really, the observation is, wow, post offices sell a lot of stuff. Yeah. But it's perfectly nested within yeah. the characterful child explaining it so that you can then come back to the idea of the dad saying, that's oh, not good enough. Yeah. You know, and I honestly, I, I, I stopped writing notes. <laughs> so good. And I'm fascinated to hear. In many ways, it's a relief to hear. Because if you just sat here and said, hey, I'm just a talented comedian. I just know how it works. That's fine. But I'm fascinated to know that you have taken existing routines and in a very thorough, methodical way, you've gone, this is what's important. This is what's important. Yeah. And the, That's fantastic. The, 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 uh, the clarifying the premise is... is it's the hard bit. That's that's where I work. Okay. So clarifying. can you give us an example of a premise that you were not able to clarify from this show that you had to drop, or or yeah. something from from your you, recent? You know, writing. you know the. This is a long joke, and it's good for a for a festival show because it's in the middle and it takes a long time to set up. 
but I love this joke. I love the the dumplings. Yes. Um, so I, I I take time to explain how frustrating it is to break up when you still love each other because the relationship is simply not working. And I talk about so this is a long setup and it's a very heartfelt setup. Yes. And then I go. I'm going to explain this with dumplings. It's so lovely to watch. That is such a characterful way of doing it. Rather than just talking about dumplings and we realize it's relationships, the fact of the sort of, not quite the naivety, but the simplicity of you saying, I will now explain this with dumplings. And yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's an echo of, I'm going to explain this with dogs. Yeah. That is so character-driven yeah. because you are this, you know, impish, very charming very Venezuelan guy, Spanish yeah. guy, yeah. Um, but you also, you manage to employ language in such a way that you enjoy the simplicity of yeah. the position. So tell me about Cause, that. Because I, I think that's what comedy is about. Comedy is, is, is about, so the work is to put everybody on your, pers- on your point of view with the less amount of words if possible. Like, you got to laugh with me. Like, you think things are funny. Everybody thinks anything could be funny. Anything can be funny, depending on, on the eyes who are looking at something funny. So that's why the premise is so important, or the setup. So you're like, hey, all right, come to my world. Come, okay, now you're in my world. Now look at this. Um, so when I explain my situation in the breakup, that is a big premise. It's a big setup. I go, you've, the frustra- you, you don't understand each other. Frustration starts building up. And then when you're full of frustration, you start hurting each other. I'm going to explain this with dumplings. You know, when you eat the slippery dumpling, then slippery, and then uh, I love dumplings. I love, chops- uh, I love eating dumplings with chopsticks. And then you go, you fucking dumpling, you don't, you're just too slippery, you fuck your dumpling, and then, hey, dumpling, and then you end up, the frustration builds up, and you end up stabbing the dumpling, you fucking dumpling, can you? Um, that's a super elaborated joke. It's not a simple premise. No. What was the starting point for that? It feels to me now like the, the starting point is the observation that eating dumplings is frustrating and yeah. everyone ends up stabbing the dumpling. Yeah. So was that the starting point? Yeah. Was that the note that you made? Yeah. And then in the writing you go, oh, that's uh, kind of like a relationship. Yeah. I mean, with a, you know. Yeah, because you love the dumpling. You don't want it to do it badly. But this is it. And then you end up hating the dumpling and stabbing it and you don't enjoy the eating. Because it becomes, instead of eating the dumpling, it becomes grabbing the fucking dumpling. Yes. It takes from the joyful nourishment to the, the action. It's so, I mean, it's really, it's really Seinfeld in that the premise is so clean. There's no fat on that. It's like you start with a thing. You're writing towards it knowing that when we get there... The, the example you're using is completely universal because the example you're... It's like, as a comedian, you're pretending to use an example like this, but really, as a, as a writer, yeah. you start with the example yeah. and end up with it. Yeah, and, you, and that's, that's our job, just, just to remember stuff that we consider, hmm, there's something here. Yes. But then it will come up one day when you want to explain something. So... Like the dogs... Like the dogs, it's the same it's, it's, thing. Let, I know what you mean, but let's let if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I said that that it takes a long time to that you want to immigrate, and then you, you 
once you, you live in a better place, you realize that nothing is 100% good or bad. It's always a balance. So I go, the dogs, I'm going to explain this with dogs. So dogs in, 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 in first world countries, dogs in Australia, they live at home with families. They have a lot of affection. They go to a special park for dogs, which is for people from a, from a third world country. I go, there's a special yes, park I've for dogs. Yes, I've never seen a special park for dogs, but in reaction, I was like, oh, clearly there's a special park for dogs here. Yeah, yeah there are dog parks in Australia and dog beaches, Yes, which is amazing. I love that. <laughs> I enjoy this. Um, but then I realized that I was talking to a friend and um, if you don't have your dog neutered, you have to pay taxes. Okay. Because that means that you can use your dog for breeding. Yeah. And this is a new world for me. Like, that's weird for, for someone coming from Venezuela. Me too, but yeah. And I saw it's, it's cheaper to neuter your dog than to keep it with its balls. Wow. And then I started thinking about dogs. You don't see street dogs in Australia. If you travel into a third world country, it's a common thing just to see dogs in the city, in the highway. In, in, if you're eating, there will be a dog just wanting food just next to you in, in any third world country. And I said, but these dogs, they don't get their balls cut off. And that is the price. That is the tax. If you want a good life... You need to, you need to, you just give your balls away. And the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of that routine was, wow, they have play parts for dogs. Yeah, yeah. And a lesser comedian would come on and say, hey, those play parts for dogs are a bit weird. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's like, well, we get that. And yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But it's not, there's nothing concealed. That isn't a revelation. Yeah. That's so good. This is one of those episodes I don't want to release anymore. I just oh, want to, I just oh, want to employ this technique good. and not fucking tell anyone. I like saying infinite fractal canine gangbang. Yeah, I know. I could see you enjoying it. It's, it's not a... People go, ha, ha, ha. It's not like a, oh, big laugh. But I go, I want to say this. I want to say infinite fractal canine it's, gangbang. Should you not burn that baby? It could be burned. It could be burned. But at the same time, I get a bigger laugh with puppy poopy parcel packaging. Yeah. It's a, not so clever. It's yeah. not so well written. But it's a bigger laugh. But it's building up with the whole alliteration thing that I, that I stay, stayed from the beginning with the pixelated porcupine. Yes. Yes. Although what? Yeah. And it, that you make yeah. a, you like by pointing out that that word is alliteration, yeah. you are revealing that you know the word alliteration. That's the yeah. important quality. Of yeah. That. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm smarter than you. Realize, <laughs> which is quite nice. It gives us a lot of a lot of trust in you. Now, I I really something I really recognised in your work is that you are you are very good at writing for the universal. Everyone in that room got all of your material. All of those things. There was a guy behind me, clearly a Venezuelan guy, when you were talking about the churros and the olive oil. He was salivating. He was out loud. He was going, oh, oh yeah. His girlfriend was like, shut up, shut up. Like this because, you know, so there are obvious things there. There are, there are kind of cultural references that some people are particularly excited about. But the jokes, the punchlines are, I thought of Ursula Carlson, yeah. who has a similar kind of I, I, I guess in terms of profile she's bigger than you here yeah 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 but, uh, but you have a similar quality whereby someone watching that goes whoa this guy should this guy could work anyway I even thank you for saying that because I I, I still don't think I'm ready for uh, Edinburgh or, or England or because uh, uh, no, my, my material is very Aussie yes it is but it would not take long to tweak 
certain parts of it. She'll be right. That whole routine yeah. would work. The fuck spiders bit wouldn't work. Yeah. But she'll be right. We understand that. We know okay. that there's enough people that know that. So you could sit down with an English comic and, and go, okay, this, 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 and there would not be a problem at all. Okay. You've got okay. To come to it. Okay. Um, you write universally. You write, and this is a thing I was talking to Orlando Baxter about this yesterday, yeah. and talking about that quality of knowing what's going on in the room and what is important to the people who've come to see you. Some comedians, I think maybe I fall into this trap. I'm excited to talk about me and what I think, but you have a real, uh, you can talk about what they recognize. Okay. And I, I, that is a quality I would like to get more of. So do you ever, do you ever spend time thinking about who you are or who, you, who, who they see when they see you, the persona, yeah. or, or is most of your writing time, your creative time, concerned with trying to work out who they are? That is a very open and complicated question. Yeah. Um, uh, for, uh, last night I had a conversation with a guy who is a sociologist, and he saw the show. And he's like, man, I've been working, I'm, I've been a soci- so- sociologist? Yes. For many, many years. And you're, and he was like, fuck you, man. You're a fucking sociologist. You're describing Australia, all the mannerisms, all the way that you're di- dissecting the whole thing. Um, when I came to Australia, uh, and I wanted to keep doing comedy because I, I, I ended up being a full-time comedian in Venezuela. I was in radio. And uh, I was like, this is it. This, I finally found, I've done so many things. But this is the thing that I don't mind. You know, it's like falling in love. I mean... Uh, when when you fall in love, you fall in love with the good things and the bad things. That's the real falling in love. When you acknowledge the bad things and you go, I can take this. Mm-hmm. The good bit, I know. It's easy to fall in love with the good part. But when you know the bad part and you still like it, you're f- fully in love. And I've had so many, so many different types of jobs that I pursued. Like I wanted to be a, a brewer. I love... I love making food and I love taste and I love biochemistry and I love uh, uh, yeast and I love uh, all the, 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 the pathways of, of chem- I love that stuff and I love food as a culture and as a, as a passing on culture and the connection with people. So I studied food technology and then I worked in a brewery. But then working in a restaurant and working in a brewery, I hated the bad things. <laughs> I was in love with the good things, okay. but I completely hated the bad things. Sorry. And um, with comedy, I know the bad things, and I like them. I like the touring. I like, I like. It's not that I enjoy them, but I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the loneliness. I'm okay with the with the peaks and troughs of um, emotional. Like one day you you think you're the king of the world, and then the other day you just want to hide under under a bed and eat Doritos. I never come out, and you don't sleep much because your brain—you train your brain to be in constant thinking, constant motion—and you don't sleep well, and um, you don't—you don't—you don't have time to properly connect with friends and family because you keep traveling. And I'm okay. Like, um, of course, I need breaks, but I prefer that bad thing than the other jobs. The bad things of the other job. Like, I'm yes. okay with it. Yes. So when I found that, I went, I want this. So I came to Australia. I really want to do comedy here. What do I need to do? I need to learn about Australians. I need to learn 
I need to have a lot of Aussie friends. I need to ask a lot of questions. I, I need to, because comedy, people ask me a lot, is there a different sense of humor? I go, no. I don't believe in that because otherwise Seinfeld and Friends and all the cheese, all these shows, they have been dubbed many, many languages and they've been shown in different worlds and they've, they've been successful in different um, countries. So comedy, sense of humor is universal. It's not a specific sense of humor. What I got sense of humor is could, could be referential. You need to know about the references. You need to know how to... There's a bit of empathy. It's like a relationship. You go... Uh, uh, when you show you care to adapt to a new country, it's the same thing as a first date with a with a woman or a, or a, or, a, or a job interview. You have to show interest. You have to ask questions and say, "Hey, I'm interested in this. I'm interested in you." So I realized that in Australia, when people go, when I say, when I stop a conversation because I don't get a word. I go, sorry, and they repeat the word. Sorry, I don't get it. How do you spell it? And then they spell it for me. And then I see the word, I see the letters. Now I can connect a word with the sound. And I say the sound. Instead of being an interruption, they are all very grateful that I did that because I want to communicate better. So I think it was like a natural uh, uh, progression of me understanding Aussies and realizing that, oh, you like when I get you. Let me keep learning about you and let me keep I want to know the differences. And then, and then I knew that the Australians, they love knowing about Venezuela because they have no fucking idea. Absolutely. And, uh, okay, let me, let, me, let me compare Australians with Venezuelans. So it, I think it was a natural progression. I didn't do it on, on purpose. The, the thing on purpose was let me adapt to Australia as soon as possible so I can do comedy here. And then everything developed. I have a question for you. Because I want to know your opinion. I saw uh, an article. You probably wrote it. I don't know. Like two or three years ago. It was about... Like, this guy was saying that every comedian has like a foundational premise. And when I, I read this article, I talked to my friend Cesar, who's also a musician and comedian. He was like, yes, even musicians, they all have like a base point of view the basic reason for being there yeah yeah and then he analyzes this article was uh, there was an analysis of Lucy K and he goes the basic foundational premise of Lucy K it's not a premise just an attitude he is ashamed ashamed of being white ashamed of being a man ashamed of being fat ashamed of being old ashamed of his way of parenting ashamed of his way of, of, of behaving yes Every show he's done, if you see it on the, with that perspective, you would go, yeah, he is ashamed. He is confessing to how awful he is. Yeah, and everything he does is about that. Even his TV show, uh, Louis. And I want to know that about my comedy. And I keep asking these questions, and I, haven't had, I don't have the answer yet. Yes, but I, want, I know what I th- you mean. I think every comedian will have that basic thing. Yes. And I think actually when a lot of the time when we say finding your voice in comedy, yeah. I think maybe that is people connecting with their foundational premise. Yeah. When you know that when you know that um it's that's difficult. I wouldn't have said shame with Louis C.K., but you're absolutely right. The guy who wrote the article. <laughs> yes, no, no, no. Because, well, that, guy, that, guy, that was me as well. Um I think that's absolutely right, and I think that is 
it's very difficult to find because I have seen, and we have all seen, people contrive a foundational premise that is inaccurate yeah. for themselves. Yeah. And you watch them and you're like, don't do this. This isn't you. Yeah. But you can't, can you help someone find one? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I've got friends telling me, well, you, you do cultural differences. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do that. Yeah, but, but that's not the that's thing. That's the vehicle. That's and not the driver. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And they go, no, you're grateful. Yeah, 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 but it's not that. Now, just talking here, I come up with the idea of adaptation because I am an immigrant and um, or empathy, putting yourself in people's shoes. I don't know. Yes, it's not. It's not either of those two things. No, those no, aren't a and it's premise. it's hard. It's hard because yes. it's maybe maybe it's not a it's not a premise. Maybe it's like because shame is a, is a is a feeling. Yes, yes. I mean, I would something I would think is kind of celebration. Okay. Maybe, but that is going to be difficult because shame, that is a big, powerful, big gut, secret, kind of awful thing. Whereas celebration, well, right, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, this is it. Maybe that's, maybe that's Ivan that 2.0. Is, that is and our quest, that's for, quest. For every comedian, just find what's the thing. What's the, that big band? What's the little thing that started everything from yes. any, the way we think? We have a point of view. Um, you know, Damien Power? I have I have only seen him do five minutes. I know him, lovely okay. guy. I saw him at the gala. He I is, haven't been able to see his show. He's one of my 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 favorite comedians in Australia because he he's a very complicated man, and he translates his complicated brain with simple words to a simple audience. He got nominated for the Barry this year for his yep. Utopia, which I believe he is taking to Edinburgh. Yeah. So and uh, after this, if you're going to be at the festival. And I haven't I, seen it, but I've heard a lot of good stuff. I strongly recommend He uses simple words to describe his very complicated theories. Like, yes. he's, um, he's a master with writing premises, translating, putting people in to see the world through his eyes. Uh, what are we going to say about Demian? So, I say, for me, Demian is ashamed of being a human Everything I've he's seen. He's ashamed on the behalf of. He's ashamed of humankind. Everything he does is about that. Every joke that I got, and I told him that, and he laughed. He was like, "Yeah, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe." Yes. And it, that's that's a great. Every, his point of view, every joke, he's like, "We're not. We're doing something wrong. As humans, we oh. took the wrong path." Yeah. Yeah, that's a very interesting perspective through which to examine all comedy. Yeah. That's like an elite. That's like if you spend 10 years transcribing routines, you're like, oh, actually, this is what I should be. I'm trying to transcribe foundational premises. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why don't we have more time to talk about this? We can talk about this a lot. This is, um, this is uh, you know, I, I now this is too helpful for me not to release. I was considering saving the episode. <laughs> Sorry, it was corrupted. There's no idea. I just kept it for myself. But this is this is a really interesting way of looking at it. Let's let's move on because we we have limited time. Let's one a question I'm fond of asking people is to ask you which elements of your comedy are you very comfortable with? Which do you regard as your comedy superpowers? Food. Food. That's not a comedy. That's not a common kind of an answer. But let's talk about why you mean that. 
Because I kind of see what you mean, yeah. Because I connect. I see food is a it's a great vehicle to connect with people. And given examples of any theory that you have with food, everybody relates to food. Yes, I agree. That so the joke's not about the food. The joke is just, the food is just a vehicle to explain. And um, I use that a lot. Maybe your foundational premise is sensuality. You are very sensual comedian you talk about food and the yeah. you know i take my time with the mango and the, you know there is a real the show is called juicy yeah and you've used okay. chorizo in the past as a show title i saw you know yeah. there is definitely that that's a, but again that's the means by which you are communicating yeah um so that that's interesting that you would have that reaction but i mean in terms of your in terms of your bag of tricks like the things that you are particularly good at doing on stage okay rather than subject matter um, like for me, I give you an example. Uh, you began the show. I don't know if you do this every time. Big brassy music playing. Yeah. Your hands visible at the side of the stage. Yeah. yeah. Getting everyone clapping along. was like, yeah. wow, this is a carnivalesque party atmosphere. Yeah. I'm going to lazily make the assumption that hey, he's bringing a little bit of Venezuela. You know, yeah. you know like I've never been there. It sounds pretty, you know. Yeah. Um, so so you walk on to, you know, a real zesty. Yeah. Sort of a thing like that. I want them to have a good time. Yes. Um, but I don't know. I'm loud. I realize that when I speak out loud, I am, I pronounce better. Maybe as well, one of the things you do, thinking about it in the light of what you said now, is that you are very good at concealing the work. I think you are good at concealing the work that you've done. I would not I didn't come into this interview thinking I imagine Ivan is a very methodical guy who has transcribed lots of routines I thought oh he's a very natural sensual connection with the audience guy all of that is true but you make sure your your process may be methodical but your performance is not workmanlike yeah yeah it's yeah there's a lot of senses you know um, I, I, I read a with this article about about you know when 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 you watch a movie, apparently the the if you see a lot of running, your brain the 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 running um, part of your brain is activated. Although you're sitting down, is activated, and if someone is eating, that part is activated. Okay. And if you're so when you tell a story, the more senses you use the more attention you get from the audience because you activate more part of their brains. Yes. So when you talk about food and describe the texture of something and and describe how something looks like, (laughs) the people will be very attentive. They will pay a lot of attention because the brain have to uh, activate a lot of areas. So when I do the loud thing, make them clap, uh, I know... uh, which was, I love Stuart Lee, He's, but I know he hates that shit. And I go, he makes fun of stuff that I do. I yes, go, okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> and Michael McIntyre is running, uh, running on stage, and he makes fun of that. And I go, yeah, I do the running on stage because yeah, it works. It's a, it's a big room, and it works, and it's motion-based, and it yeah. holds people's attention. Absolutely. And it's part of my personality. Like, I, I, I hug people a lot. So I need to, I cannot hug the audience. <laughs> so I need to do something to, to, 
that's why also I go back to the food. When I talk about the olive oil, I do that on purpose. Yeah. Because I can se- I can feel the audience is absolutely paying attention to everything I'm saying because I'm, des- I'm describing food. There's no jokes there. I just do it for the sake of just be here with me and salivate with me. That's a fantastic answer, Ivan. What, what, what's, um, what weapons, what superpowers do you feel that you lack as a comedian? Ah, good. Um, I'm not good with one-liners. I try to. Uh, I, I think the perfect premise is when there's a premise and a one-liner at the same time. Have you written any one-liners? I think I've yeah. written three one-liners in my career. I'm fiercely proud of them, and I'm very painfully aware I've only written three. <laughs> I don't know if I... Because I, I, I continue to joke, so I, I don't leave it there. Um, I go... I think one old joke's like... It's not a one-liner, it's just a premise. That, uh, I'm, I'm afraid um, Australia um, I'm, I'm freaking out here because I'm afraid I'm not afraid of the common things like uh, snakes or spiders why do you have so many TV ads for funeral insurance <laughs> it's not a it's not a one liner it's not it's a one liner it's, yeah. it's just an observation I think I don't have one liners I, I don't I don't have to go back and analyze but I'm I'm not I like when the premise is when it's a fun a premise with a punchline that's like the perfect. And then you just do an act out with another punchline. That's a perfect joke. And how, what does it look like when you are sitting writing? Are you writing at a laptop? Are you writing in a notebook? Are you just writing on stage and then remembering it? I the three things. So notebook is just for ideas. The writing, writing process is on a laptop. And I highlight punchlines. I highlight act outs. I put premises on italics. <laughs> explain, explain, explain this to me again. You write the stuff out and you have different coded yeah. italics and headlines. Premises and on italics yes. and, and punchlines and act outs on, on bold. And you write the whole routine out every word longhand? At the beginning, yeah. It changes after a few shows. But the the... I want to know I have the clear premise and I know oh, the premise is here because it's an italics and then the punchline is here so I have three lines before the punchline okay or I, oh, let's see if I can do two lines before the punchline or let's see if I can jump into an act out straight away because it's funny when I go uh, and I do the Spanish grammar he's from Australia he lives in Australia now I think they broke him I know the whole that whole set it's, it's on it's on bold because it's a funny accent with a few jokes in it. So I want to have clear that they have a premise. There's one great... Um, Netflix is giving us so much stuff to watch. Oh, yeah. And I can name many, many. But um, not because she she's from a Latino background, but Cristela Alonso. Okay, don't know. She goes, premise, boom, joke rests enjoys the moment <laughs> premise good joke rests enjoys the moment perfect perfect is there a danger that your formula for writing is 
scientifically strong, but formulaic. No, because when you when you start doing the show, that's when you add the. Because I've come from a cooking background, and when you learn how to cook, they don't go, "Let's create something together." No, they go, "This is how you cut." These are you chop. These are different cuts, and the the the, the French are the ones who who put the, the the cooking training like the the formalized in the Western world. They go first. You need to know how to use a knife. Then you you cut. There's brunoise. There's allumette. There's a, a julienne, and then now you have to make broths and basic the bases for the sauces. Um, um, how to make a demi glace, and, and then and then you okay. This is how you fry, how you braise, how you roast, and then when you have that, do your thing. I believe in that. Um, I know comedians who don't believe in that, and I respect them because they're great comedians. And there's so many ways to, to go to Rome, but I believe in the in 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 learning first. The the in martial arts, we were talking about martial arts before recording this. They call it the Quijón which is basic technique. When you do martial arts and then you have this big master coming from another country to teach you a big seminar and you think, oh, I'm going to start jumping and use weapons and stuff. And they go, no, let's go to the basic punch. Let's see how you put your, 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 your fist how the position, how you position your fist. Is this not, we're going to focus on your fist and then your stance for the whole day. And then you, come on, teach me how to use nunchucks. I kick nunchucks. I want to use nunchucks. And that, no, it's the basic stance. And I see that. It's this, the formula, it's not a formula, it's just a basic stance. And if the premise is not clear, the joke doesn't work. Why? Because people doesn't understand your point of view. That's it. So I, I, I don't think I'm doing a formula. I think I'm doing just basic stance. And um, you know when tailors they 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 make when they're making a suit, they make like big stitches just to follow where they're gonna, and then you can see the stitches. But then when they finish the suit, they cut, they think that they take it out. They pull the thread. They pull the thread and you see nothing. So when you start doing comedy at the beginning, you see the, sti- the stitches. But then when you become a better comedian, you pull the thread out and you don't, you, is there, there's an illusion that there's no structure, but there's a lot of structure. If you see uh, um, Robin Williams stuff and you transcribe that, you think, oh, this guy was just crazy. Just throwing stuff from his brain, and then you, you, if you analyze that, there it is. The formula is right there. It's there. I promise. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so gutted that we don't have more time for this. We could talk for hours. Um, this is exactly what I wanted. I'm so thrilled to have this oh, conversation. Man. I feel we have to wrap this up with um, two two quick things. Are you happy? Happy for me means acceptance. And uh, I, I, I'm happy with my life. Because this joke was about learning that. This, this show was about learning acceptance, learning that there's always a balance and, um, and being cool.
with the balance because it's impossible to have everything 100% great. So yes, I'm happy. Last thing, what would you have engraved on your comedy gravestone? Mm. Wow. I don't know. I haven't thought about that. Probably like he died here, but he never died on stage. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. You're welcome, man. Thank you so much. Had a great time. So that was Ivan. Check out his website. I'm sure that Google, if you can't remember how to spell his name perfectly, Google will point you in the right direction. He's very on it. He's one of those keynote speaker guys. He's got a load of stuff on there. Um, I should say the photos aren't completely... I think there's... I don't know. Did we talk about his Panama hat? He's got this sort of hat image that I think he's going to grow out of. In fact, he probably already has. (laughs) How patronising is this? Listen, I know him quite well. We hung out a lot in Australia and Montreal, so I feel comfortable patronising him by, you know, by assuming he's grown out of the hat thing. Um, So uh, check out his website, and uh, if you're in Australia, do get to see him. And if you're uh, you're going to be in Edinburgh next year, then simply wait with bated breath while I continue uh, harassing him and, and trying to convince him to come over. Just... A sensational comic, just note perfect, faultless, clean as a whistle, Seinfeld-esque. Bang, bang, bang. That's the idea. That's the premise. Here's it unpacked. Here's it explored. Let's move on to the next one. Beautiful. Absolute treat to watch him. So that's all from Ivan. Do donate at comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate. You can support the show however you'd like with a five-star review on iTunes, particularly if you live outside of the UK, Um, and uh, telling your friends about it and tweeting me at comcompod or email me info at comedianscomedian.com. I will get back to everyone that emails me. If you're Ren, if you're out there, you've still not been in touch. I'm unable to thank you for your sizable donation to the show. I really appreciate it, but um, the email associated with your PayPal is bouncing. So uh, please accept this as a groveling thank you for that very kind donation. Um, If you'd like to purchase further T-shirts, I will work out how to do it down the line. No, there's no post-amble today. I am absolutely destroyed with tiredness and jet lag and all the rest of it so i'm going to sign off now i'll see you up at edinburgh remember everyone's a comedian uh, you can go to the notes of uh, of this uh, episode it's the free crowdsourced comedy experiment it's 7 30 on the 14th of august at subway on cowgate in edinburgh if you're going to be there please do come along it's free and unticketed uh, so just turn up and see me flounder my way through an entirely crowdsourced hour of your suggestions uh, for jokes, material, stories and so forth um, and uh, and I'll see you at 3.45 at the Liquid Rooms Annex for the old solo show. Alright gang thanks for listening oh, so, so tired <laughs>